Everyone, it is Wednesday, July 13th, 2016. I'm Gary. I'm Josh. And let's talk soccer. Josh, how's it going today, my friend? I'm, I'm great. How are you? Doing all right, man. So before we jump in, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, <clears throat> Euros being top of our list. Um, but before we do, we want to thank everyone who's out there listening. We really do appreciate it. We've got some more listens and or subscribers <clears throat> this past week than we have in the past. And that's awesome. So thank you for doing it. Thank you if you've told anyone or even if you've interacted with us on any of our other platforms. And I'll tell you what those are. So on Twitter, you can find us at Let's Talk Soccer 2. That's the number two. So at Let's Talk Soccer 2. On Facebook, just search for Let's Talk Soccer 2. Instagram, we're at Let's Talk Soccer. And on YouTube, we're on Let's Talk Soccer. And you can always email us at Let's Talk Soccer 2 at gmail.com. And just like Twitter and Facebook, that is the number two. And, you know, we've gotten some great questions. We're actually going to read um, a question that we got from Instagram. And we'll read that towards the end of this. Um, and please continue to send us your questions, your comments, your ideas, your suggestions. We want to continue to improve this, this podcast, but we can only do that to a certain extent. And we need to hear from you to keep getting better and better. Now, one exciting addition to this podcast that we can announce is that you may have noticed it sounds a little better than it ever has in the past. And that's because Josh's grandma and grandpa, my parents, got him a really cool Yeti microphone. And we're excited about that because in the past we were just using whatever the built-in microphone was on our laptop. So it sounded... Sounded pretty bad, sounded pretty, you know, like we were talking out of a cave. So hopefully the sound quality here gets better and we will continue to improve the quality as much as we can. But I think this was a big step for us. All right, um, before we jump into talking about the finals, we want to give a special shout out to a guy named Ridley. Um, he is, as far as we know, one of our newest subscribers. We actually... Um, convinced him to sub subscribe this morning. He's one of Josh's friends, and I wouldn't take him to soccer camp this morning with Josh until he subscribes. So Ridley, if you're listening, thank you, and um, we appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead then and jump in and talk about the Euros. I'm actually, I'm really sad to see them go. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was fun. I mean, every day there were there was at least one match on. I mm -hmm. mean, at the beginning there were multiple matches on every day. You could always turn on ESPN in the afternoons and find a match, or there'd be highlights on in the evening or the morning. So with it gone, I gotta say, on Sunday when all was said and done, I was a little bit upset about it. Yeah, I was. I was sort of sad to see it go, and <laughs> I uh, I really wish that it was still here. And if it was maybe like the World Cup even bigger. It would maybe still be here, and I just enjoyed the tournament so much. Yeah, I really tried to watch, as I know you did too, tried to watch as much as possible. Would love to someday maybe go over and experience one in person, but I thought it was really cool. And I thought that there were a lot of cool stories, a lot of great football that was played in this tournament. And, you know, on Sunday, it all ended with the finals. It was Portugal against France. 
And just as you would expect any other Portugal match to go throughout this tournament, it went into extra time. Surprise, Shocker. Surprise. Yeah, right. <clears throat> I mean, it was it, – it didn't take – um, a fortune teller to, to know that this was most likely going to go into extra time, especially, you know, late into the first half. You could just tell things were not happening for France the way they had in previous matches. Um, balls were banging off the post or there were near misses or just the ball did not look like it wanted to go in the net nope. for France. <clears throat> and I think France started to get nervous. And I think that as the match went on and France's um, confidence sort of um, shrunk, I think Portugal's got bigger yeah. and bigger, um, despite the fact that their star player and their leader and their captain, Ronaldo, gets injured in the first few minutes of the match and sort of hobbles along for, you know, till about minute 25 until he finally has to pull himself out of the game. It was a sad moment in the game because it seemed like he was the only person who was actually doing anything for Portugal and... That really sucks for him because, you know, he's worked so hard to get all the way there. And then when you have the chance to get to the – when you're in the final, you get injured. It really is really devastating, especially for a player like him. Yeah, and, you know, it was was sad to see. What I liked – not that I liked seeing the pain on his face and how sad he was, but I liked to see how much he cared. You could tell that this was different than a club match or business for him. This is something, it was his country, and he desperately wanted this, not just for himself, but for his country. And I like to see that side of Ronaldo. I hate the fact that he got injured and had to come out. Um, and honestly, when he came out, I didn't know what to expect from him, not only from the team, but from him. I didn't know if he would come back out on the pitch and cheer his teammates on, um, when they eventually won, would he celebrate with them or would he look at it as, well, I didn't really do much. This isn't my trophy. Um, but you know, he cried when he left the field, he cried when his team won the trophy, you know, and I just thought it was a side of Ronaldo that I think a lot of people don't see. Um, you know, he's kind of sort of labeled as a selfish, you know, egomaniac. And I thought this was just a humble person who was a teammate and who cared about, um, what was best for his country. So I, I thought that was really nice to see. So anyway, Ronaldo comes off in minute 25 and many, many more minutes are played. Um, and then, you know, 90th minutes over and we're still nodded nil nil and it goes into extra time where this is this was over the tournament this was portugal's turf you know this mm-hmm. was a place where france had limited experience and pretty much every win i think maybe every win that portugal had came either in extra time or in penalty kicks for the tournament so mentally portugal was prepared. Yeah, they were stronger. Stronger. Physically, I think the fact that they had to play that many, they knew what to expect. Maybe France didn't. And like I said earlier, as this match goes on, France gets more and more nervous. The pressure's on them. They're at home. They're playing in front of a home crowd. There are expectations of Mm -hmm. them. Um, They are a team full of stars, whereas Portugal is a team of one star. Mm -hmm. Which is out. Yes, which is out. So even more reason. But... um, but, you know, unlike the normal scenario where Ronaldo seems to, and he had to do this in the tournament at times, where he had to put the team on his back and advance them in the tournament, 
they said, Cristiano's out. We're going to take over his role collectively as a team. And they, and it was a true team win. They fought hard. Their defense, like it has been throughout the entire tournament, was stout and tough. And they scored when they needed to. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of the ultimate test for them. And in the, I think it was the 109th minute, Adair scores a goal that... I don't know. I think Loris probably should have saved. I think he was caught a little bit off guard. It was a nice, nicely placed ball, but it wasn't ripped. It wasn't a a blast of a shot. Right. I just think, um, I think the France defense softened up a little bit. Adair saw his, his moment and he took advantage of it. And I think it caught Loris off guard a little bit. Yeah, definitely did. And when that goal was scored, Adair had quite a lot of space on the ball. Mm -hmm. As you said, the French team sort of softened up, and they sort of let uh, lots of gaps in their defense. Yep, absolutely. All right, so congratulations to Portugal. It was nice to see how much this meant to Cristiano, like I said before. It's great that Portugal, after all these years, has won a major trophy. I think, you know, I would have to guess that for Portugal, aside from a World Cup, title this is the next best thing yeah and since they don't have that world cup title or they didn't get it you know two years ago this is fantastic for them so and ronaldo will now forever be attached uh, not only as a great club player but as a great all-around footballer which includes his national team yeah not so much for messi because nope He's had his chances, and I would say a lot more than Ronaldo. I think that is a distinction between the two now. You know, mm-hmm. once upon a time, not too long ago, you could compare the two and it was equal or you could make a case for either one. At least now looking at legacy, um, it's kind of hard to argue with Cristiano. Yeah, Maybe he has a little bit of a of a one-up on, on Messi now. Yeah, he's <clears throat> technically a lot more accomplished than him because yep. he has this uh, international trophy. Yep. Absolutely does. All right. So what UEFA did was they had announced a uh, a team of the tournament. And we're going to go through that and we'll comment. Some players we may just sort of pass on. But, you know, if we agree with it, disagree with it, or we have a replacement player, let's go ahead and do that. So let's see here. We have Rui Patricio of Portugal. Any thoughts on him? Uh, I think... In the group stage, I think he was quite poor, and he conceded quite a lot of goals. But when it came to the knockout stage, he was very, very, very consistent and was able to get those saves in that lots of goalies wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And he was able to handle pressure and um, and quite a strong quite a strong attacks coming at him. Yeah. And he was able to handle it, and I think he did it great. And in the final, he kept France goalless, and France was quite a scoring machine up until mm-hmm. that match. All right, next up we have a youngster from Germany, Joshua Kimmich. Uh, he was playing uh, usually right back for them. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I think he was one of the players that showed really, really, like, not too much, um, like, sort of. They were – that team was very cocky going into this. Uh-huh. Be- I mean, being the world champions – but he just stayed calm the whole time, and he was one of the players that was able to perform consistently. Someone like Muller, who didn't even score or get an assist, um, was not like him. But Joshua Kimmich was one of the people that performed very consistently, and he definitely deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that one. 
Uh, also from Germany's defense, we have uh, Jerome Boateng, despite a critical handball mm-hmm. against Italy, but uh, otherwise, I think, played a pretty good tournament. Yeah, he was very solid for them. Okay. From Portugal, defender Pepe. Pepe was a was pretty much the main part of the Portuguese side when it came to defending, and he did a great job for them, and he was pretty much a rock at the back the whole time. Absolutely was, um, you know, and someone that you could certainly depend on back there. All right, also from Portugal, Rafael Guerrero. He's um, one of the more underrated players at the tournament, I think. He uh, had a great free kick that hit the crossbar in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, controversial if that was a foul or not, because it was a handball on Portugal, right. but the ref gave it to Portugal because he thought the other team yes. handballed it. Right. And he just played consistent. He got an assist to get them into the final yep. and just did a lot of other good things for them. And I think that was actually Adair, the, ultimately the goal scorer who had that handball mm-hmm. um, that was awarded on their behalf um, when they thought it was one of the French defenders yeah. who I think it was, they thought it was Koscielny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Koscielny and Adair looked nothing alike. <laughs> and um, the ref, uh, Clattenburg, I think it was, made a pretty poor call there. Very poor. Which almost resulted in just completely killing France at that moment. Yeah. From Wales, we have Joe Allen. Joe Allen was a was also a quite underrated player. He had a very he was he's quite a quiet player. Yes, but he did perform for Wales in sort of the the Cinderella story for Wales, getting to the semifinals, and he definitely deserves to be on this list, in my opinion. Yeah, no surprise here on this list is Anton Griezmann. He was definitely, in my opinion, the best player in the whole entire tournament. I thought he was the man of the tournament, for sure. Yeah, scored six goals and got two assists. Yeah. And he was uh, he was just at the right place at the right time and pretty much single-handedly got, him, got his team all the way to the final, I would and, say. And he was named by UEFA as the player of the tournament, so absolutely deserves to be on this list. It was a shame. You know, for me, in the final, he... He and Sissoko actually looked like the two players um, most intent on trying to mm-hmm. win this match. I thought those were the two that ran the hardest and tried the most. All right. Um, from Wales also, we have Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey was a, actually got some of the most assists in the whole entire tournament. He was an assist machine and then also scored some goals when he needed to. And he was a very great player for Wales, and he definitely deserves to be on this list. Yeah, unfortunate for him that he couldn't play in the semifinal match mm-hmm. for Wales, and who knows maybe what would have happened had he played there. But that was we're, that we're was right. one of the main reasons they lost, in my opinion. I think so, too. Um, even just from a, a mental standpoint, to know that he's not on the pitch mm-hmm. it can hurt you. Mm-hmm. All right, last two here. We have from France, Dimitri Payet. He had a... He had a great goal, and then not just that, he also performed in pretty much every other game for France. Certainly one of the top goals of the tournament. Yeah, just laces right through it, top left corner. Yeah. Unstoppable. The, the beauty, and that really started, that really is what sort of catapulted France. You know, um, I think that was their first game. The It was. It was the first game of the tournament, in fact, and all, France had all this pressure on them, and that was the goal that ultimately won them that game and sort of set them on this this path to the finals. Yeah. And lastly, no surprise, Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo was a, was a really clutch player for them. Scored two goals uh, in the match against Hungary to get them through to the 
to the uh, to the group stage, and then also was one of the main reasons why they were able to get to the final, just scoring goals and also surprisingly getting assists. That yep. doesn't really seem like Cristiano, but he came up with it in this tournament. Yeah, it was a. I thought it was a different Cristiano. Um, he looked less selfish. Than in the past, and, mm-hmm. and like he cared a lot, so yeah. it was really nice to see. All right, so just to recap this, the way UEFA has this broken out is the formation is a four-two-three-one. In the back, we have Rui Patricio of Portugal, Joshua Kimmich of Germany, Jerome Boateng of Germany, Pepe of Portugal, and then Rafael Guerrero of Portugal. In the middle, we have Tony Cruz of Germany, Joe Allen of Wales, and. Up towards the front, we have Anton Griezmann of France, Aaron Ramsey of Wales, Dimitri Payet of France, and Cristiano Ronaldo of Portugal. So any – do you feel any players that got snubbed or anyone that doesn't deserve to be on this list? If I were to say one player who didn't necessarily completely deserve it, I think it was Rui Patricio. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly down to the fact that I feel that a lot more goalies played better than him. Yeah. And I really think he's in this list simply because of the final. Probably. And yeah. even though he didn't have the greatest of finals, I would say Loris should be in there. Because he had a lot more clutch saves and yeah. insane saves than Patricio. But even though I say he shouldn't really be in this list, uh, he, <clears throat> thinking about it, he still does deserve it in ways. Yeah, you know, he, he has the trophy. I, I do think that Loris... Probably deserves to be on there, maybe in place of Rui Patricio. It would have been nice to see a player from Iceland on this list. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Ragnar Sigurdsson. You put on there. Mm-hmm. You know, there were they had players like that had more single moments than full. Mm-hmm. You know, um, runs or lengthy periods where they played great you know if anything it's probably iceland more as a team than yeah as individual players but it would have been nice for them to have a little recognition actually one thing that i think is interesting is that no italy players were on there yeah that's true because i could name quite a couple that i think could be on that list maybe pele yep he we're gonna talk to about him there. In, a, in a little bit here under the transfer segment and then thinking about maybe even buffon yeah, yeah. Um, who knows how many of these he has left in him? Probably, yeah. Maybe none. So um, he is an amazing goalkeeper and I think mm-hmm. very well respected in um, world football. What were some of your highlights of the tournament? You know, maybe it was some goals that you remember or, you know, Iceland and Wales runs that they made, anything like that? Well, um, first of all, let's start from the beginning. Uh, Pyatt's goal, the win the match for, uh, not Portugal, France. Right. That was really the moment that sparked France. And uh-huh. that was definitely one of my most memorable moments. Another moment I have is Iceland beating Austria to get through to the knockout stage. Mm-hmm. That was another huge thing that I don't think anyone expected. Right. Seeing that that sort of team could get through. And well, when we um, started... Well, before the Euro started, we created um, like a guess of who would get where, uh-huh. and we created a bracket of who we thought and the groups. Right. And looking back at it now, we completely is completely off. And yeah. 
no one expected a lot of these things. No, you know, it's a lot like a March Madness bracket, and every once in a while you get these Cinderella teams that, mm-hmm. that make a run, and we had a couple of them, which I thought added even more um, fun to the tournament. Um, for me, um, Shakiri's goal, oh, yeah. I think, was certainly a highlight. I think a low light, and it happened more in the group stages, were um, some of the fans and how they behaved, you mm-hmm. know, with throwing Especially players England. on the field. England players. Uh, I think there were some maybe Ireland or Northern Ireland players. Um, I think Croatia had a bit of an issue, and those were the ones that were throwing the firecrackers and the flares on the pitch. I could be wrong, so I apologize to Croatia if I got it wrong, but I think that was them. But, you know, just some of sort of the the immature, unintelligent acts that people did instead of just letting it be what it was, which is a phenomenal tournament and, you know, something that the whole world was watching. These these people had to sort of yeah. mess it up. But I thought that whomever sort of nipped that in the bud and ended all of that violence and, you know, hooliganism and stuff, I thought it was great because it, once it was done, it was done and it didn't appear anywhere else for the rest of the tournament so Mm -hmm. i thought i thought that you know whether it was uefa or fifa or whomever i thought they dealt with it quite well so um i will miss it um i guess we have you know this summer the the international champions cup to Mm -hmm. look forward to but you know in terms of next major tournament it's the world cup in two years that you know that we'll have to look forward to so I cannot wait until them, and I would have to think just based on their roster alone and their performance other than the finals, I would right now, if I had to pick, I would make France my favorite. Yeah, I couldn't imagine Portugal really getting that far because they sort of struggled to even get out of the group stage, and I don't think they'll really be able to sort of put this on in the World Cup. No, I agree. All right, let's go ahead and switch over to the summer transfer window and a couple of notable names are included this week. The first is, and we talked about him just a moment ago, Graziano Pelle agrees to a deal, so he's leaving the EPL, and he's going over to play for a Chinese club. That's very interesting because China seems to be getting lots of players that are quite big, and they've been moving them over. People like Freddie Guarin, Mm -hmm. even people like Hulk are moving over there, and it's purely down to the money. Yep, Because they're getting offered so much money to go over there, like when Hulk went over there, mm-hmm. supposedly his wages are now like Messi and Ronaldo sort of standard, wow. like huge wow. standard. You can't fault them for that. So yeah. especially you know someone like Hulk who probably doesn't have a lot of years left, I can see why he would make that move. Yeah, and he's in the Russian league. Yeah, he was in the Russian league at least. Yeah. So that's not a huge downgrade, if any, actually. Right. No, not at all. Uh, the a name that we mentioned last week, who he had been released by. Man U and hadn't found a club until recently is Victor Valdez. Everyone knows him as the former starting goalkeeper for Barcelona, and he was a backup at Man U, and now he will be at Middlesbrough. The legend is going over to a very tiny EPL club, which yep. it's one of it's not actually one of their first times in the um, BPL, but it's nice to see these small clubs being able to uh, pick up these. Bigger transfers, which I would still say Valdez is high up there. Yeah. Because, I mean, he didn't get any game time really at Man U, but no. it's nice to see. Well, hopefully, 
He'll get some time in Middlesbrough. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so those are those are actual deals that have been done and confirmed. Couple of rumors. The first is, I believe it was the day after, so Monday, right after the Euro finals. Um, supposedly, Real Madrid lost interest in pursuing Pogba anymore, maybe because of his performance, if you believe that rumor, but that Man U are now in deep conversations with him. That would, that I could, it's sort of confusing because I would feel that Pogba would want to go to Real, but it seems like Real would still want him. Like, if I was Real, I would even, like, I wouldn't completely get him off my list. I would just sort of Still keep an eye on him at least. I think so. And I think that's more of a rumor than than truth. I just don't see that what he had maybe a bad game at the Euros. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, you know, I, I can't see where there maybe – I mean, Cruz and Modric are, are good players. Yeah, but, they're good. I mean, he would be a phenomenal addition to, yeah. you know, or play right underneath, um, you know – their striker or yeah, something. Yeah, like replace Hamez. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so we'll see what happens with that. And the other one is that supposedly Griezmann's management, his representatives, are in talks with PSG. I cannot see this happening. No. Because, I mean, Griezmann is French, except you don't want to leave after such having, having such a great tournament yeah. and for having a pretty successful season with Atletico. Like, going to France is such a downgrade because... I mean, unless you're getting talks with PSG, which he is, right? I wouldn't really want to go there because there's not competition. The competition won't be nearly mm-hmm. as much. Um, you know, it's unfortunate for Griezmann that in two of the biggest finals of his life, he came out on the short end. You know, the Champions League final, losing to Ronaldo, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the Euro final, again, losing to Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but I don't see him leaving... I don't see him leaving um, Atleti for PSG, maybe for somewhere else, but I don't see him unless it's just, you know, a gross amount of money. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't see that happening. I I don't see Atleti letting him go that easily. Yeah, that's his, that's their best player by a long way. Yeah. And you don't want to let him leave. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some news. And usually when we talk about news on this podcast, it's just something sort of interesting and big that caught our eye. So each year, Forbes comes out with its list of most valuable sports teams. And that's sort of putting a value on the brand, um, you know, big assets like, you know, the players that it has, any sort of stadiums, things like that. Merchandise sales come into factor. And for, I think, the past three years, Real Madrid had finished at the top of that list every time. And, you know, there's there's a few notable soccer franchises on there. And then you've got some NFL teams and some baseball teams and basketball teams, things like that. Um, this year, however, Real Madrid was bumped down to number two. And the Dallas Cowboys actually came in um, at number one, which I found interesting that, mm-hmm. you know, the Cowboys don't necessarily have, you know, a big name player like Real Madrid has several. Yeah. Um so I just thought it was it was interesting that that had happened. Mm-hmm. So um the Cowboys franchise value actually rose. It had a 25% increase in value from last year and it's up to 4 billion. And Real Madrid went up 
by a smaller percent, by 12%, and it actually finished second at $3.65 billion. So just thought that was quite interesting. And I believe that um, we've got Man U on this list here. They're at in fifth place. So if you want to see the complete list, go to... Um, the website or they have a companion app and we're actually going to talk about them in a little more depth in a moment um, but it's 442.com and it's not the numbers 442 but you spell out the words 442.com they have lots of interesting stuff like this lots of great analysis analytics news scores you name it so it's actually a really cool website but this is a pretty interesting article to see where your favorite um football team is and where your favorite you know if you have any other favorite sports teams where those fall on the list as well one other big piece of news that's sort of been discussed and it's not confirmed but you know england supposedly is strongly considering considering bringing on jürgen klinsman as their manager. Now, I don't know how much merit because now I've heard that maybe they'll, uh, maybe Sam Allardyce or someone like that might take the role. But if Klinsman were to move over and become the English national team manager, who would you like to see brought in? And if you don't have a specific name, kind of what description would you give that person? Well, I would want Bob Bradley to come back in. Okay. Uh, he, he, he had quite success, quite a lot of success as the U.S. coach, and after him having a, a pretty decent season with mm-hmm. his French club, mm-hmm. I would love for him to come back in. Yeah, they actually, I think, missed promotion by maybe like a point um, to get promoted up to Liga. So I think he did, and I think he did well over, and I want to say it was the the Tipperlogan um, was the other league that he was in. Prior to that, I think Bob's a good choice. He certainly knows his way around. I don't know if he's burned any bridges with U.S. soccer and Sunil Galati and and that group or not. For me, I don't know exactly who I would brought brought in, but I do know that I would want it to be a real statement. Um, Yes, a big name would be great, but I want it to be a big name with some weight behind it, not just because it's a big name, but someone who can actually coach. For instance, if he were ever to toy with the idea, someone like a Diego Simeone, someone who has been a successful player, has been a successful manager, and will run this team and really bring a sense of what it means to be successful globally. And a lot of that means what is it like to be successful in Europe and bring that European style, I think, over here. Because for whatever reason, the American approach doesn't seem to be working. And I, I wonder if um, if that's been going on more behind the scenes with Klinsman than maybe we think. But I, I, a change, I don't think, would be a horrible thing. And if you're going to do it now or in the near future, I think is the right time to do it. So we'll see. We'll see if, one, if Klinsman even gets offered the job over in England and, two, what U.S. soccer does. All right, we're going to switch over to youth soccer. And just for a moment or two, Josh is going to talk about he's been going to a really cool camp that is run by um, FC Barcelona. Actually, it's the F, I believe it's called the FCB Escola 
mm-hmm. camps, and they have a few around the United States. There's one in Atlanta, there's one in Florida, and a couple others around. And um, it's, I think it's pretty cool, but we'll let Josh go ahead and talk about what do you what do you think of it what do you like about it i really like it it really teaches you the uh sort of the barcelona way Mm -hmm. they try and teach you a lot of different passing methods Uh that's what the main portion of this camp is uh they sort of teach you like ball movement uh moving off the ball getting away from your defender and they teach you a lot of cool things and i really uh like the camp okay yeah and you know from what i've seen as a an observer is everything seems to be incredibly organized um you know there you guys the camp it takes up several different fields um and even if you go from one field to another the time down to the exact minute the coaches are doing certain drills with you guys um even if you're on the furthest field and the other field furthest away from you they're doing the same thing at the same time so Mm -hmm. i like that that throughout the entire camp the um, philosophy the barcelona way like you said is being preached but also everybody's working on the same stuff and these coaches are taking the time to um to really go through the right technique and the right mm-hmm. technical, you know, I think it's interesting, although it makes sense with Barcelona that you guys have not worked on any shooting whatsoever yet. You've been through three days of this five-day camp, and it's all been about passing and possession, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. So, you know, how they structure this is they have a handful, say five or six, coaches from Barcelona who are either current academy players um, or players that are phasing out of the academy and have aspirations of being a coach so this is the real deal barcelona you know philosophy being brought to you by actual barcelona people um and then what they do is they hire on local coaches in each of these local areas these cities to help with the hands-on sort of minute-by-minute coaching as these Barcelona coaches sort of float from team to team and group to group mm-hmm. and help coach. So they're very hands-on too as much as they can be. And then it's all operationally organized by um, sort of a sports promotions company. So I think it's well done. I didn't know what to expect. And, and as a parent who's paying for this, I actually really like it. So um, we got two more days to go, but so far so good. All right, let's go ahead. So each week we like we like to talk about you know a charity or a charitable organization that we're digging and has some sort of tie to soccer. And this one is actually the U.S. Soccer Foundation. So it is a piece of U.S. soccer. And what it does is that, you know, I guess the belief here is really everyone deserves a chance to play soccer. So it's going into underserved communities, um, maybe lower income communities, and giving these kids and these families easy access, affordable access to quality soccer programs um, so they can develop personally, mentally, physically, and, you know, if the next great you know, U.S. soccer player comes out of this program, all the better. But I think it's a great way to, you know, there's a reason why soccer is the largest youth participatory sport. And, you know, certainly I think that the U.S. Soccer Foundation, you know, 
helps add to that. So um, you can check them out at ussoccerfoundation.org to learn more or see if you can donate or contribute or if you have a company that would like to sponsor. But, you know, they sort of get our nod of approval this week. Switching gears, we're going to jump into the digital world of soccer, which is Josh's expertise. And we're going to go ahead and talk about the FIFA Ultimate Team team of the season euro style so do you want to take it from here sure okay so they're playing a 3-4-3 and the three forwards are dimitri Payet, cristiano ronaldo and griezmann yep. they were all on the 4-4 um the 4-4-2 list mm-hmm. and that was actually the uefa the, the uefa list yep. and i'm going to kind of compare what the uefa got and what this is okay uh, the four midfielders are Eden Hazard. Was uh, not on the list. He was not on the list. Yep. He could be on the list. Uh-huh. Maybe the secondary. Or at least on the UEFA list, we should say, yeah. to be clear. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, who was. Uh-huh. Gareth Bale, who surprisingly wasn't. Yeah, actually, that is one that was left off that definitely should have been, I thought. Yeah. Interesting. And Tony Cruz, who was also on it. Yep. The back three are Chiellini, Boateng, and Pepe. So, so one of your Italian mm-hmm. defenders... Who's now on it? And in between the sticks is Manuel Neuer, who also didn't make Interesting. it. Interesting. Quite a quite a difference between the UEFA list and the FUT list. Uh, on the bench, uh, Perisic uh-huh. of Croatia made uh-huh. it on. Uh, Gunnarsson of Iceland. Nice. They had to get our, someone on there. There we go. Uh, Paul Pogba. Uh-huh. De Bruyne. Okay. Another guy from Iceland. Uh Sigurdsson, that's Ragnar Sigurdsson. There's my Ragnar Sigurdsson, all right. And then two more Italian players, yep. uh, Benucci and Buffon. Okay. And then uh, here's some more people named. This guy's named Zutzaka. Yep. Zutzak. Yeah, from um, Hungary. He's from Hungary. Uh-huh. Uh, Blazikowski of uh, Poland. Uh-huh. He did miss a penalty to get his team penalty. out. He did miss a yep. of Poland. He mm-hmm. scored the penalty to get his team through to play against Portugal. Yep. Uh, Chester of Wales, another mm. Welsh player, and then Summer of uh, Switzerland. Yep. So I would rate I would rate this team pretty decent, but maybe a I actually think this is improved over the UEFA. A lot of players I do too. I was thinking the same thing. A lot of players who I think actually deserve to be on that list. I think so as well. Yeah, I, I do like this list better than the other one, than the Euro one, so um, or the UEFA one. All right, so let's go ahead then, and also since we're sort of talking digital, and we mentioned them a little earlier, but the app and or website that we're featuring this week, and actually it has both an app and a companion website, or an, a website and a companion app, depending on how you look at it, is 442. And, you know, we look at the website quite a bit, especially as we're prepping for our podcast each week. And also we both on our phones and other mobile devices have, have their app. Um, I like that. Like a lot of apps, you can get scores and sort Mm -hmm. of pick your favorite teams and get updates on them. But I think what the difference with four, four, two is that they do a lot of statistical analysis mm-hmm. too, and it's not stuff that's so complicated that it's hard to understand, but they it helps put things in perspective the way mm-hmm. that they – and I think they get a lot of this – they source a lot of this data, but I think it makes for really compelling, cool, interesting 
stories. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really cool app, and it's kind of like One Football, but it's improved in a way. And I think that One Football is more transfers. Yeah. I think Four Four Two is a lot more analysis and stats and yes. and more scores. I would say they have a whole section called Stat Zones that you can um, that you can look at. You know, and they do a lot of fun stuff too. So they'll you know give you tips on how to play FIFA sixteen or comparisons of FIFA sixteen versus FIFA seventeen, and you know they'll give you stories like the one that we just did about the Forbes and the the Real Madrid, you know, being moved down to the second most valuable club in the world. They'll do interesting stories like that too. So it's not just news and analysis, but it's just it really kind of covers a lot of aspects. It can be mm-hmm. sort of cheeky and fun at times and sort of facetious and silly um or you can get you can dig as deep as you want into statistics and in fact, um through the app you can even take a look at different scenarios, even in-game scenarios um, with graphics and stuff of, you know, key moments or shots taken or possession. Like, you can you can slice the data, really, mm-hmm. any way you want, um, game for game. So, And they also have a magazine. We haven't subscribed to it or read it, but we certainly like the app and the website. So if you want to check it out, you probably should, especially if you like soccer and you're always – Hungry for more information with soccer. And again, it's 442. Spell it out. Don't use the numbers. And we think you'll like it. All right. To sort of close us up, we are going to do a listener question. We had mentioned that if you contact us either through social media or our email address, we will answer your questions. And we have one here from through Instagram. It's from sap underscore 111. And he asks... Did you think Portugal had a chance after Ronaldo got hurt? Um, well, when Ronaldo got injured, it sort of seemed like Portugal had this whole new approach, and it actually kind of worked, their approach to the match when Ronaldo was out. Mm-hmm. It was sort of just absorb pressure and then counterattack yeah. and sort of try and play long balls to Nani. Uh, and by worked, I sort of mean it didn't get them a ton of chances, but it did. Uh, it did the job against... The French attack, and it was uh, it was very very sort of strategical, seeing that they didn't have too much attack in this case mm-hmm. right now, and it was it was working for them. So, I mean, I guess they kind of, they did have a chance because they. So didn't. It, it didn't in your estimation. It did not hurt Portugal. Then. No. Did you think it was going to though when he first got in? Yes, I did. That, so that's what this question I think is is asking is at the moment that. Ronaldo got hurt and ultimately came out a few minutes later. Did you think that was doomsday? Yeah, I I did think that was. Yeah, I got to say I did too. I thought that France was going to pounce all over that, but I agree that um, it actually did the opposite and actually motivated Portugal Mm -hmm. more. And they had to sort of pick and choose and they responded quite well. But I think the answer from both of us is yes, we thought that was it for – for Portugal and that France was going to go on to a relatively easy win because now they don't have to account for the top player in the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so there's the answer to your question, but please, anyone else, if you have questions or comments or suggestions, let us know. So again, you can reach us the following ways on Twitter at let's talk soccer Two. That's the number two Facebook. Look for let's talk soccer Two. You can email us at let's talk soccer Two at gmail.com. On Instagram, we're at Let's Talk Soccer. And on YouTube, we're at Let's Talk Soccer. So, 
please, we'd love to hear from you. And please um, subscribe to our podcast either through Google Play, on SoundCloud, or through the iTunes store, and share it with your friends. So until next time, as always, we sign off with peace. Peace. Goodbye.